Good evening. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon, and I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight we're talking about stewardship, which is a huge topic. Yeah, stewardship's an interesting topic. Um, People have different concepts of it, have different mindsets of it. Uh, I think we're going to go through a few different outlooks on stewardship Mm -hmm. tonight uh, in different categories, but... um, I think I just want to start out with Genesis right off the bat. Oh, that's good. Because that was, stewardship was mentioned almost immediately in the Bible. And uh, right away, Adam and Eve were mentioned almost immediately in the Bible. Uh, in Genesis one twenty eight, God said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens and every living creature that moves on the earth. Now what he means, subdue it and have dominion... Um, some might take that as you can do whatever you want, and that's not what God was saying. God was saying yeah, He was putting them in charge of taking care of it. They were they were going to be the ultimate. They were going to be the ones that were ultimately responsible. Mm-hmm. And if we go into Genesis two fifteen, we see that Adam was mm-hmm. put to work in the garden initially before the before uh, he sinned. He was put to work in the garden. He was put to work in the garden of Eden and to keep it. It says in in two fifteen. So. Uh, from the very beginning, we've been given a role by the Creator as uh, creations that were made in His image to be the guardians and the caretakers of the rest of creation. Right. And I, uh, one thing I thought about this morning or yesterday when I was looking into this is that God never took that role away. That's still nope. one of our roles. When God calls us to something, we're called I mean, and it, the role might change, and it might look differently at different times of your life. But I, I think when God puts a calling on your life, he's not going to take it away. And so I, I think he's called every single human being to be a caretaker in some way, to make their world better, to make the earth better, to, make, to take care of the animals, the humans in their lives. I, I mean, it's, it's so unique to everyone. I mean... I agree, and... I- I think it might be it might be more challenging for someone who grew up in a completely urban environment right that had no contact with the natural creation of God um, growing up on a farm, this was just an automatic you didn't even think about it. It was just right. one of those things, and I know um, the ranchers out there that are listening, the farmers out there that are listening um, that concept of stewardship is just innate within you um, you know you will sacrifice just about anything to save the life of a of a calf when he's born or uh, something like that and it's, it's just it's it's an innate thing in you that you do that and I, that's what i think god intended that for us from the very beginning god intended us to look at his creation realize it was his and and take charge of it you know we'll, we're going to see later on uh some of the things that are said in the bible here god says you know when I come back, you're going to be accountable for it. Right. And I think the earth is no different than anything else. And, and God's creation is no different than anything else in that, that the time will come when God will say, well, what would you do with my creation? Mm-hmm. And I think if we have destroyed it, we'll be held accountable for that. Right. We're not supposed to abuse it. Just like we're not supposed to abuse people or just use people for our own ends or use the earth or use animals or anything just in a, in a callous way. We're supposed to tend and nurture and care for and, and 
you know, I, you mentioned urban environments. I think, like, even the, something as simple as you see trash on the ground. Right. You pick that up. I mean, that is caring for the earth, too. And mm-hmm. and, and I think, you know, they in this time of quarantine, they're talking about how wild animals are coming into towns and, and uh, like, creation and wildlife are kind of taking over in some places. Yeah, and, and the, the air is getting cleaned up, and um, we've got a lot less pollution, and the satellite imageries of the earth right now is amazing. Yeah, if you get a chance amazing. to look at that, that's... It's amazing to see how the heat has gone down and the smoke and the smog and the pollution has gone down. It's amazing. Um, one of the things that lately has really been on my heart, I've been, I've been watching it a lot and seeing a lot of things on it, is our food system here in the United States. And we are blessed here in the United States with um, the best agricultural producers in the world. Mm-hmm. We produce more than any place else in the world. We have dedicated farmers and ranchers who are doing just incredible things and um we're squandering that as we go right now and this this stuff that's going on in the quarantine right now there's wholesale slaughter of of animals that are unable to be put through the the uh, food system right now they have to kill the animals because they can't butcher the animals so they're just killing them and burying them in pits and stuff and uh milk being poured on the ground and all of these things um, are situations that we could avoid if we handled it differently. Mm-hmm. And because we are not handling it differently, we are wasting. And And I know it's it's breaking the hearts of the farmers and ranchers out there who want to be good stewards but now have you know no market for their products. And yet grocery store prices are continuing to stay high and nothing's, nothing's adjusting there. So... It Let me, it troubles me. Yeah. It troubles me as as just another case of us failing to be good stewards. Psalm eight, um, hmm. five through nine. I want to read. Yet thou, the tongue of God, has made man humans a little lower than God, and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou dost make him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. Shows also the, the great trust God has given us. He's entrusted us with his creation, which he has called good. Every time he created something new on the, the six days of creation, he said, this is good. This mm. is good. This is yes. good. And it's amazing. It's wonderful that he's done this and he continues to do it. So he continues to hope that that we'll get it right. Yeah, and he has blessed us with that with that, but he has also given it it's a responsibility as well. Yep. We are we are held responsible for it. Um another aspect of of the stewardship that we want to talk about um is something that everybody has to deal with on a daily basis, and that is the economics. So not only are we gifted uh, with stewardship over the things of the earth, but uh, as it says in uh, John 3, 37, Mm -hmm. I think I've got that one here somewhere, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. 
everything that we receive is from God. Right. Now you can work really hard at your job and get paid a, paid a fair wage for it, but all of that still comes from God. The talent that you have that allowed you to get that job, the education that you had to allow you to get that job, all of those things were gifts from God. What did you, what verse was that? Um, what did I say it was? John uh, three thirty seven. All things um, come from heaven. I don't think that's right because there's no three thirty seven. Nope. Well, maybe I, maybe I wrote it down wrong here. Was it? John three twenty seven. Oh, three twenty seven. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. I see that. Okay. okay. And I think there's a there's an old saying that I I try and hold true to in my life in our life as a as a family, and that I I really think espouses a lot of, of Christian value is, you know, they say, um, if you want to see what someone really loves, look at where they spend their time. Mm-hmm. I think it also should come into play that if you want to see where some, what someone really loves, look at where they spend their money too. Yeah. And, you know, the traditional Christian outlook was a tithe and it was a tenth coming from the old, old Testament. Um, a tenth of all your income was meant to be offered, and your first fruits were meant to be offered. Uh, going all the way back to Cain and Abel, and then and then through uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they talk about that. They talk about it in the Old Testament, and they they mention it in the New Testament as well. But I think the concept um, goes beyond just a blanket ten percent, because if it's ten percent, it's like paying a tax. Mm, That's basically yeah. what it is. It's just taxes. Mm-hmm. You're paying taxes. And that's not what this is meant to be. Um, your tithe, your offerings to the church, to um, missionary work, to God's work, specifically targeting some of your income for that, goes beyond just a tax because it's a love offering. Mm-hmm. And that's what it me- it's meant to be. I'm giving back to God part of what God gave me. And right. in doing so, I recognize that it's His. That's, that's the issue of tithing. Is we recognize that it, comes, it all comes from Him. And... We give it back as an honor and as a recognition of what that is. Um, Paul says, and I, I can't remember where it is at the moment, but it's, he just tells us, God loves a cheerful giver. Right. And I, I think it's really uh, that we're free to give however we want to, but I'm, I make it simple to my kids. If you give, do you love God or money more? Do, do you have a hard time giving to God? Maybe you're having a hard time loving him more than money. and Or sometimes, or maybe am I trusting in money more than God? Like we say, oh, my, my bills are tight. If I give God this, then will I have enough money for this? Well, if you give God first, he'll take care of the rest. And of course... And that is, that is a biblical principle also in the fact that that's a trust issue. Yeah. It's a trust issue when you, when you are... When you put God first, God takes care of the minimals. He takes care of the things... The necessaries in your life will be taken care of. First um, Timothy six seven through eight, Paul says, "For for we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Mm-hmm. God will meet your needs. Mm-hmm. If you meet Him, He'll meet your needs. You know, He's He is a He is a loving God that will take care of everything you need if if you honor Him. Um, but if you don't trust Him," If you hide it away and you squirrel it away and you you uh, go out of your way to to avoid it, then you're avoiding God. Mm-hmm. And I think you know. Then what would you expect the outcome to be? Right. 
that I want to go to a different thing where another thing we are all entrusted with as a stewardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, First Corinthians four one says, "Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God." Mm. I'm supposed to be a steward of the mysteries of God. I think that's really cool. And what are the mysteries? It's the gospel. It's it's. I mean, the whole story of Jesus Christ, how he was God himself. He comes down and is created into a human. I mean, he even went into the womb. I mean, he was God before he was man. And 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 this stuff is unheard of, really. I mean, to think about God himself coming down to to be one of us so he could die for us. And then he was risen and, and he loves us and he wants everyone to come to heaven. I mean, we don't have to have this wonderful performance to get to heaven. He's not telling, we're just supposed to believe and not be fearful. Just believe in him. And that is, I mean, when you go to the great commission, that's what Christ said before he ascended to heaven. He's told his disciples, mm-hmm. take this, take what I gave you yeah. and go out and make disciples of all men, take it and spread it around. And that, uh, that commission is not just for the, those men that were standing there at that time, it was also for all of us. Each one of us is tasked with that as well. Because once we've received, we need to give. Um, and I'm sure Jane was going to bring this up too. In Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, Jesus talked about that. Um, you know, the, the master goes on his, on his way and he gives each of, his, each of three servants a certain amount of, of money. And... One of them invests it wisely and doubles it. Another one invests it wisely and doubles it. They have different amounts, but they both double it. And the third one buries it in the dirt. Because he was afraid. Because he was afraid. He, he was afraid that it, it might not work, so I'll just hide it. And, and when the master comes back, what this is something that it took me a while to grasp this when I was young in my Christian walk. Um, in that parable, uh, the first servant who doubles the doubles the income, mm-hmm. um, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. He says it again to the second one. Mm-hmm. And in the third one, he's, he's angry. And his reward to the first one mm-hmm. was more work. Mm-hmm. He put him in charge of more because he, he found him responsible with the little things. He gave him greater things to be responsible for. And I think sometimes... We forget that that's that that's the equation with God. Mm-hmm. We're meant to we're meant to be working. You know, Paul says in in, uh, in one of his books, he says, uh, um, "If you don't work, you don't eat." Mm-hmm. We are meant to be working. Adam was working before the fall in the Garden of Eden. We were meant to get off our hind ends and go and do something, and to do everything for the glory of God. So when he says, good, well done, good and faithful servant, he's talking to someone who, who was working, honestly, faithfully working. Uh, and when he was stood before the master, his works were laid out in front of him. And he said, well, good job. And I think that both those two, the first two servants, they took chances, mm-hmm. doubling what they were given. They had to be bold and have faith and believe. I mean, they took chances. And the other guy, I mean, you just, he gave it back what he initially gave him. The master didn't lose anything, but he says he was afraid, so he hid it in the ground. 
And then the master says, but his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. He called him wicked and lazy because he was afraid. Mm-hmm. So instead of, instead of believing, he was afraid. And, and then back in, um, in Luke's, uh, same, same. Luke 12? Yeah, Luke, Luke, no, Luke, from Luke 19. This is where the, the, um, talents are here. Um, Luke 19, 11 through 27. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep, yep. He says, um, the, the master says to the one that, the, the slave who just, um, hid it away, and this one, he hides it away in a handkerchief. He says, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. He calls him worthless because he was fearful. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh. Well, and, and the first two he refers to as a servant. Well, in this one, they're all slaves. The first, the Matthew 25, they call them s- servants. This one, they call slaves. Mm. It's, Luke just changes the words. Okay. But uh, I, I, I think sometimes we get so much into the worldly thoughts of, of you have to hold tight to your money. You have to be so smart with, I mean, you, you should be smart with it. Well, society's, society's goal for work and for the economy is simply to save it up so that you don't have to work anymore. Yeah. We call it retirement. And you watch the retirement commercials and people talking about, are you saving enough for retirement? Are you doing all this for retirement? People are working just so they don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And if all you, the only reason you're working is to hoard up money, um, then you are... How sad is that, that that's all you get, that that's all you, all you have in the end? Yeah. I mean, we worked to feed our families, take care of our families, to to uh, provide housing and shelter and all those things. And God provides those things. He provides the job. He provides the paycheck. He provides all those things for us. But in the end, if we're working for God, why are we wanting to quit working? Mm-hmm. I understand you get to a certain age the work that you used to do is not possible for you to do anymore and you want to retire from that. I get that. But there is no retirement from the work of God. Right. That's why we're here. Right. So I'm not saying there's anything negative about a retirement fund. I've got my retirement uh, working for the state of South Dakota for all the different things I've done over the years. And there will come a time when I will be able to leave the job I'm at and get that retirement income from there. But I don't stop working for God when I stop working for the state of South Dakota. Right. So we have to be able to draw that line and understand that we're working for God. Mm-hmm. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So, there again, there's another time when we're not holding on to what we, what we are getting a hold of, grabbing a hold of day by day by day, simply because there's no end. There's no end to the work that we are doing for God. The end comes when we stand before God and we're held accountable for what we've done with all, everything from creation to the blessings he's given us financially and, and the things that we've had. I mean, think about the blessings that we have every day. I, uh, Jane and I have been blessed throughout uh, our, our lives to travel to many different places in the world. We met in Africa and to see um, different societies, different cultures in different places. And I am just <coughs> daily. I am, I am 
just in awe and blessed that I was born in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a country where, you know, I didn't have a lot when we were kids growing up, but we had enough. And we lived in a free country where we were free to worship and we were free to, free to speak and free to read and free to, free education and so many things that don't exist in other places. Right. And sometimes I don't think we acknowledge the fact that we have been blessed so so mightily by God. And if we don't acknowledge that we've been blessed, then how can we be grateful for what we were blessed mm-hmm. with? And sometimes you just got to stop and step back and look at at how many things God has given you, mm-hmm. I think. I think that um, I've heard, this didn't originate with me, but we're supposed to hold loosely to the things of this world. I mean, everything in our lives, our vehicles, our houses, our furniture, our, everything. I mean, it, all of it belongs to God. And I'm not saying you're supposed to give it all away. I mean, maybe some people need to do that. I, I Or God calls them to do that. I don't know. It, God is different works differently in each of our lives, but I want to uh, kind of change the subject here because it all works together. But mm-hmm. another thing we're stewards of is in Ephesians 3, 2, it says, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's great grace, the stewardship of God's grace, mm-hmm. we all have, we all have been given so much grace and we continue to give so much grace. And so I think that's one thing that we can give out so often. You give people the benefit of the doubt, you you just give them grace. You know, we all, uh, they say, you know, we all are on our own journeys and we don't know what other people are dealing with. And, and we need to see, every time we look at another person, we're looking at someone that Jesus really loves. Right. And, and um, we need to give that person grace. We, they might need to get that God's grace from us this very day and uh, you know we don't know but um oh and there's something else i wanted to share that i i think it's another thing that we are stewards of i don't know if you you pulled this first yet but oh I, go I ahead first peter four ten. as each of us has received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of god's very grace mm, that's good as each of us has received a gift and we all have well this i have a verse i was just going to share mm-hmm. and it goes right with that 1 Corinthians twelve seven says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the mm-hmm. common good. So we each, like Shannon said, we each have gifts. And they're all different kinds of gifts. I we are li- There are some listed in the Bible, like a gift of miracles, of prophecy, of distinguishing of spirits, which is discernment, uh, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, healings. But I think there's even more gifts than the ones that he lists. I think... God is not limited by uh, things that have happened before. We each have different gifts that we can share with the church. And it can be, maybe you have a thought. Maybe you're part of a church body and you have a thought, I think somebody should do this. You know, maybe maybe that's something you should do for the church. I mean, I, I think God is so creative. And wow. One, I don't know if it's silly, something I'm doing in our church, and I don't know if anyone else, I I think some people like it, and I haven't heard anything negative, but of course people are too nice to say anything negative, but I love to paint, and our church, I was, I've been able to hang a lot of the paintings that I've, I've, mainly there's scripture with, with the picture with it, but they're kind of like the old time, kind of like banners that 
a lot of mm. churches hang up, but I do it on canvas or whatnot. And, and I've been able to hang them up in the church and I've gotten good. And it's something I can do. And, and I wanted to, to do some kind of artsy kind of thing. And, and I love scripture. And so that's something I did. And, and I think it's benefited the church. I've enjoyed doing it. And that's another thing. I've enjoyed doing that. I, I think the things that we are to do in church, sometimes, of course, there's things that just have to get done. But I also think things that you can contribute to the church at large and your church body, I think you will find joyful. And, yeah, and I think those things aren't limited. Um, yeah, no. If someone is good at something, that's one of those things. And the gifts that God gives us, everybody has, has received spiritual gifts. That's one of the reasons I love our adult Sunday school so much is because I can sit down and read a passage and go through the Sunday school lesson that Jane writes up. I can, I can do all those things, and I can come to what I think is an understanding. And then we get together and we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And someone will have uh, an inspiration from God that I hadn't thought about, and it will just open my eyes so much. And it is such a blessing to share with each other and talk about it with each other. People can, people pour out their hearts about things that cause cause them pain, and they also pour out, you know, I saw it this way because of this experience I had, and it'll and I'll just it'll blow my mind that, boy, I never thought about it from that angle, and this is so awesome that they would. And sometimes those are the people that will rarely say one word in church, but then they'll speak, and God's wisdom just pours out of them, and I think that is such a blessing. And it is one that I wouldn't receive if I wasn't in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And it's one that they wouldn't be able to give anyone if they weren't in that environment. And that, that sharing of the fruits of the Spirit, that sharing, it's one of the things I miss about our last church um, that we don't, we don't do at our church here for various reasons. But um, we used to have potluck. Mm-hmm. Once a month we had potluck. There's that old Southern Baptist saying, if we're meeting, we're eating. We'd have our business meeting and potluck at the same time. I don't know if that everybody stayed for the business meeting because of the potluck, That's maybe. That's what I think. <laughs> but boy. Somebody was smart. You're in church and you can smell Dolly's barbecue meatballs down in the, down in the basement. You can smell them in church in there. It does make the, the church meetings go a little faster when I know there's food <laughs> waiting. But there's something special about sitting around a table and sharing your bounty and your blessings and and the work of your hands with other people. There's something special about that, that fellowship where we just share with each other. And if we look at the Bible, we will see that in, in the New Testament church, it happened often. Everybody mm-hmm. brought and they ate together. Mm-hmm. Everybody brought something and ate together. There, there's there's a, a sense of community there that I think um, follows along with the commands of Christ there where we take care of each other. Yeah, I was just thinking that, that stewardship means you know responsibility. And we have a responsibility toward each other, mm-hmm. that we are a body, a body of Christ. We are a family. And I do want to go back to um, back to the parable of the talents from the Matthew mm-hmm. Pat 25. And it says, um, Matthew 25, 14 says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because... All things, all people, everything, absolutely everything belongs to God. And and I guess we've probably said that, but everything belongs to him. So I guess, you know, 
it's that also that thing if you borrow something from someone you really should take it back to them if you can in even better shape than when you borrowed it or at least exactly the uh, no worse shape and so anything i don't know what am i trying to say i don't know no i get what you're saying i think that i think that we if we take those two things and we hold them up parallel to each other mm -hmm. if we take up the Great Commission, and we take up Matthew 25, and we hold it next to each other. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. Right. Oh, yeah. And here's what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. Go out and give this to everyone. And just like in the parable, mm -hmm. he says, the master will come back and see what you did. Jesus gave us this command, and this is what we were meant to do. And one day we're going to stand before him, and he's going to say, so what would you do with it? Mm-hmm. How did you work? And there's two responses. We see the two responses. Jesus, When Jesus spoke in his parables, um, and maybe that's something that we can talk about too one of these times, is just the concept of the parable in and of itself. But when Jesus spoke in his parables, he was teaching a lesson. But it wasn't just a story. Mm -hmm. There was more to it than that. And by taking these things, this this the logic that he was using here, he's saying... I'm doing this for you. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you this and I'm going away. Now I'll give you the Holy Spirit as a comforter and an advisor while I'm gone. Mm -hmm. But I will come back. Mm -hmm. And then in that parable, he says, there are two responses. Oh, right. Well done. Well done or... You wicked, lazy slave. Take this one away out of my sight. Yeah. So we have to then look at our own lives and what we're doing with the with the blessings we've been given, with the gifts we've been given, with the knowledge we've been given, with the grace that we've been given, all of the things that we have received from God, and we have to look at it and say, okay, if tomorrow mm -hmm. Jesus looked at me and said, what have you done with what I gave you? Mm -hmm. Did you do the most you can? Mm. Did you do everything you could? There's a, a movie, Schindler's List, a uh, very, very brutal movie. But what really touches me in, in, in that movie, what really hits me hard in that movie is in the very, very end. The, the movie's all about someone during World War II who was paying, he had a factory where he was making munitions, and he was paying the Nazis for Jewish people to come and work in his factory. And he would have someone working there and they'd find out about family and he'd find their family and bring them in. He'd pay to do this. And obviously he was losing money on all of it. And in the end, none of his munitions even worked on purpose because he was trying to stop it all. But in the very end, when the war is over and he's basically lost everything, he looks down on his lapel and there's a little Nazi pin because he was always putting on the front that he was he was a good Nazi. It's a little tiny gold pin. Mm -hmm. And it's all over, and he looks down, and he says, Oh. If I'd sold that. Or... Would that have been one more? Yeah. And I think the time will come, and we'll stand before God, and, and um, we will be held accountable. And, and there's no doubt, I know, there's no doubt that we will say, Boy, I wish I could have done more. There was this one time I remember. I did, didn't when I should have, and things like that. And there, God's grace is there, too. But the overall effect is... Were you working for me or were you not? Mm. Did you take what I gave you and squander it and throw it away and hide it? Or did you step out in faith and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your investment and I'm going to double it. Because mm. you invested in me, I'm going to double it. 
you know, I, I, I want to bring this up because I was thinking of this too. When he talked to the wicked, the, the third slave, he's, said, you wicked, lazy slave, you knew I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. So he even, he never said that the servant had or the slave had to do as well as the other two, but he just had to do something. The guy didn't do anything. So he's, so it's not like God is expecting like us to accomplish these miraculous things that we... We don't have like have to shoot for the moon. We just have to do something. And so, if he had just put it in the bank, that wouldn't have taken much effort. I mean, he would have just gone to the however they did it back then and handed over the money. And then when the master came back, he would have went and got it. But it was some he did something with it. And so, I guess the things that God puts in our lives, uh, everything. I mean, people creation, uh, material goods, everything. We're supposed just to do something for Jesus. And that, and that's what, that's another thing that you can take away from the parable. If you look at parable, uh, the, uh, the parable of the talents in, in Matthew 25 or, or the one in Luke 2, um, it says his answer to, um, the first one, he comes up and, and shows him that he doubled what mm-hmm. he was given. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, I'll set you over much. Now the second one comes up, and he had given him less, but he also doubled it. And his answer was, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, I'll set you over much. Mm-hmm. Enter the joy of your master. He, does, he says the exact same thing. Right. So whatever you have been given, you're responsible for using that for God. You may not have as much as someone else. I have been blessed to be called uh, by a church to be a pastor here, and I and my heart's wish is to is to to serve that church first faithfully and as as completely as I can and do as much as I can for the church. But I'm no Billy Graham. I know that's not who I am. I'm not doing worldwide revivals all over the world and. And and I but I could sit back and say, well, I'll never be like him. So why do I even try? Mm-hmm. And that's not what God's saying either. Right. And God looks at us and says, whatever you have, use it. Right. Some of the most godly people that I've ever been around that I have, I have felt so touched by in my life. Someone who has influenced me just by their their spirit and who they are are some of the humblest people when it comes to professions and jobs and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're very humble people, and they are so faithful to God. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks about what you're doing. It all matters what you're doing. So I don't care what you do for a living. If you do it for God, God sees that, and God will reward that, and his reward will be enter into my joy. Enter into my joy. um, A verse came to my mind, Hebrews 11. 38 and uh they're talking about all these these christians who believers who it says they were stoned they sawn into they're tempted they were put to death with the sword they went about on sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted ill-treated and then 38 begins men of whom the world was not worthy and when you brought that up you know the world might look at some believers and go 
what is the point? What kind of life are they living? Mm-hmm. And God says, the world isn't even worth, is not worthy of those kinds of people. You know, um, we just have to do what God calls us to do with what he has given us. And like Shannon said, he doesn't, doesn't compare us with other people. That's not what it's about. It's about our relationship with him and loving all the people he brings into our lives and loving them for Jesus, sharing his love and giving them the opportunity to say, yeah, come on in. You want to go to heaven. You want to be part of our family. And, and you're loved. And Jesus, let's just end with this. Jesus, okay. Jesus put it in a, in a very clear statement. In the way that he did, Jesus was always so black and white. And he put in a very clear statement in John twelve twenty six. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Mm-hmm. And then in Revelations 21, uh, 3-4, I love this verse. I love, I love this so much. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be, there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. That is in the future. That is what's coming. Amen. And Jesus says, if you are with me, if you are with me, where I am, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, there's your reward. There's the end. Yeah. There's, there's the goal. It's not retirement. No. It's eternity. Mm. So instead of instead of worrying about um, whether you have enough or worrying about whether or not you're good enough or worrying about whether or not you are gifted enough or blessed enough, just understand that God's love surpasses all things. His grace surpasses all things. And all he wants you to do is the best you can. If you do the best you can, I guarantee God will look at you and say, well done. Amen. That's all. You, that's all he's asking for. All he wants is your best, and he Just will give try. you beyond what you can imagine. Yeah. God bless. Thanks for listening. Bye.